He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of all of our affection. He's worthy of all of our attention. He's worthy of everything. He's worthy of it all. All, all. He wants you to get a revelation of all. He's worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of all. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. I feel the incense rising in this place tonight. Perfect song. I felt the incense just rising. I had a vision as we were worshiping of of this huge table being set. And he said, I set this table before you tonight. And I feel like there's an invitation to come and partake tonight. You can eat of the good things of heaven. It's a beautiful table set with the best of everything for you just to partake of the goodness of him tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of it all. We honor you, God. Be glorified in this place, Lord. Solomon had finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the offering and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all of the people of Israel saw the fire coming down on the glorious and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, he is good and his faithful love endures forever. Amen. Amen. I feel like that's what's taking place. The glory of the Lord is rising in this place tonight. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I'm just so thankful for the torn veil and that we can boldly come to his throne. We have full access to everything that he is. shown himself to us over and over again in the last 24 hours. I have just a couple announcements before we move on tonight. Corey Russell has a product table in the foyer. Incredible books. The one I read was called uh, Prayer, Why Your Words Matter. Went through it with a small group and it took us about four months to get through. It was just so rich. We just kept chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. Anyway, his product table is almost very, very limited out there. So if you want any of his products, we have a slip of paper. You can go to his website tonight. So pick one of those up on your way out. There's just good stuff to fill yourself up on. Um, We just want to remind you that this prayer conference doesn't end tonight. It's tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. Come back again tomorrow morning. I'm sure you're not completely full yet. Amen, amen. You can never have too much. For those of you who are not... From Glad Tidings, I just want to let you know the rest, women's restroom is right outside of this uh, middle door here, and the men's is to the left, and take a left if you are in need of that tonight. And um, we're going to go ahead and take an offering tonight, so if our ushers would come, we can just thank the Lord, we can just bless his name, we can just tell him how wonderful he is. Father, I thank you for meeting us here tonight. 
I thank you for that fire from heaven that, came, that comes down and burns up the sacrifice. God, I thank you for the incense that's rising in this place, oh God. Father, I ask that you would just um, bless this offering, oh God. God, I pray that you would breathe upon it. I pray that you would breathe on the gift and the giver tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sonny Everett, would you and your team come? Sonny has an incredible ministry, and they, they love to bless missionaries and special speakers, and they make these special gifts. And so, Corey and Dana and Maya, would you come? We have, we have a special gift handmade from the House of Glad Tidings for you guys tonight. So. These ladies meet together every Monday, and they they put these quilts together, and they just love to bless the peacemakers. For those of you who weren't last night, this is Corey Russell. He is from IHOP. He's been at IHOP since um, the year of 2000. That's for all your water bottles tonight. <laughs> and you know what? We're so glad to have him, but you know, I feel like we we're even doubly blessed that you brought your family with us. I've, I just love having his wife and his daughters with us. And so um, anyway, I'm going to let you just share about yourself and let's go. <laughs> you are awesome. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for that gift. That's absolutely beautiful. And we just feel just so loved and uh, just just love the hospitality of, uh, thank you, I roll through them, uh, of glad tidings and just the people here. And I love Omaha. Just loving this, man. Having a blast with you guys. You guys are beautiful. And I just so feel the atmosphere is pregnant over this house and over this city. And there's great things that are coming for this city. And so it's such an honor to be with you guys. Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Psalm 2. I know it rhymed. I'm a rap artist in my spare time. Don't get me started. The Red Sea had parted. <laughs> I don't want to go any more artists. Or you might get nasty here in a second. But, um... <laughs> Anyway, all right, good. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done. And we just ask you to release your presence now. We thank you that you're here. We just ask you to manifest your power and your grace and your glory upon us. Enlarge our capacity tonight. Release your power, Holy Spirit. I need you. I need you, God. I need grace and strength and power. I just ask you to come right now. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good. Well, I, I want to look briefly at, a couple, at three different chapters before I kind of jump into, I guess, my main message. But this is all part of it. I had two messages going on inside of me. And I was like, God, how do I reconcile two flows in my heart? And I feel like he helped me. So praise God. I feel like I, I believe that we are in the nation's. And I'll flesh this out in a second. I believe that we're in a Psalm 2 crisis. 
that demands a Joel 2 response, which will result in an Acts 2 outpouring. I want to say that again. I believe that we're in a Psalm 2 crisis that demands a Joel 2 response, which will result in an Acts 2 outpouring. And I want to briefly look at Psalm 2. I don't want to I, I do this where I walk through the whole message and it's something that I want to start writing on because it pretty much consumed 2014 for me. To, I, I would say this, and I don't say this without... Let me get this up. <laughs> a little warfare here. <laughs> I don't say this frivolously. I don't believe there's any um, clearer chapter in the Bible... That gives prophetic, clear insight into the day that we're living in, like Psalm chapter 2. It's a big statement. I want to look at it briefly. You can look at Psalm 2 like a four-part drama. Each part of this drama, there's four scenes, and each scene is three verses. And I believe it's clear... As we begin to read it, what's going on? David is in a visionary experience, a visionary encounter. And he's seeing something that's blowing his mind. That's why the first word out of his mouth is, why? It doesn't make sense. It's global insanity. And it's blowing David's mind as he looks upon this. He asks the question, the first three verses are, are nations and kings and judges. He says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings, he sees the kings, the presidents, the leaders of nations setting themselves and rulers taking counsel together. And who are they declaring war against? Who are they conspiring against? Against the Lord and against his anointed. Against the father and against the son. And this is what they're saying behind closed doors as well as in open uh, uh, public ways. This is what they're saying. Let us break their bonds in pieces And let's cast away their cords from us. It doesn't take a prophetic person. It just takes anybody with a half a little bit of discernment. To realize that verses 1 through 3 is taking place before our very eyes right now. That we are seeing leadership in nations globally. We are seeing judges, laws, a culture. We're seeing culture setters among the main actors in Hollywood. The main uh, sports stars. The main... Uh, players and nations, we're seeing a, a message that's coming forth in this nation as well as all the nations. And this is the message. It's this. It's time we get delivered from God. It's time we get delivered from this book. And it's time we break off the restraints and the constraints of the Word of God. We want to be gods unto ourselves. Who is God to define that marriage is between one man and one woman? Who is God to define sexuality? Who is God to define morality? Who is He and why does He think He can interfere with our own rights? This is exploding across the earth. And this is why David is saying, why? It's vanity. It's not going to work. All of you people who are setting to overthrow God's law and God's word, it's going to fail miserably. And I declare to you, and not it's not only that, but specifically the nations are set on destroying the plan of God and exalting His Son. And it has to do with other dynamics that I don't want to go into tonight. Well, the scene closes. Look at verse 4. Now the Father is going to get three verses. 
It says, he who sits in the heavens. Everybody say, sits in the heavens. I love this because it's like David gets a a ground revelation of what's going on on the earth. And he sees CNN. He sees Fox News. He sees what's happening in the nations. And he's going, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Why are you doing this? You're trying to overthrow the eternal plan of God. And you're trying to overthrow His Word. It will never be overthrown. And David's going, why, 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 why? But then the scene closes, and I love the very next verse, because it says, He who sits in the heavens. And it's like the Father is speaking to David, as well as all of us saying, Get off of CNN and Fox News. Get off of feeding your soul on hopelessness and despair. And how big things seem to throw off God and His Word. I want to bring you up into my divine perspective. I want to bring you up into my heart and into my divine perspective. And I want you to get filled with my confidence that though they huff and they puff, this house will not be blown down. And we need to get confidence, the confidence of the Father to give everything to His Son. We need to get connected to that storyline right there. That's where the church, the church needs to get out of the ground warfare. And we need to get up in the heavens and begin to see the plan of the Father. And begin to pray from that place. We need to sing from that place and we need to live from that place of hope and faith. I believe it's imperative in this hour. I spoke last night about in the heavens and getting up connected to our heavenly identity. And this is part of that. Well, it says, he who sits in the heavens, he laughs. That's a terrifying laugh. It's not a funny laugh. It's a you guys are outside your minds laugh. The Bible says that he will hold them in derision. And then it says he will speak to them in his wrath and he will distress them in his deep displeasure. Look at what the father says. I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. He goes, you kings are trying to overtake my city and you're trying to establish yourself as leader. I want you to understand something. I have already set my king on my holy hill of Zion. There's one city and there's one king. The city is Jerusalem and the king is Jesus. And I want to declare to you right now that Jesus is sitting on heavenly Zion right now at Father's right hand. Far above every principality, power, ruler, and dominion. But I'm here to declare to you that the day is coming soon to where that man will split the sky. Hallelujah. Come riding on a white horse and he will take his seat on Mount Zion from where he will rule the nations. Hallelujah. He's coming. Your king is coming. It's always cool if we say he's coming someday, but you understand this. He's really coming. It's not a game. Who in here really believes he was born in Bethlehem? You got to well, first hear my question before you raise your hand. <laughs> Who in here really believes that Mary gave birth to that boy 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem? Do you believe that? You sure it wasn't a figurative birth? It wasn't a symbolic birth. It wasn't a, whoo, I just birthed Jesus in my heart. No, she screamed and a baby boy came out. Who in here really believes that that same young man lived and died on the cross for our sins? He died for our sins. It wasn't figurative. It wasn't symbolic. He really died. 
Who in here really believes he came out of the grave like he said he would three days later? And who in here knows that he spent a 40-day conference in a resurrected body teaching on the kingdom of God? <laughs> That'd be a good conference. You wouldn't want to hear me talk anymore after hearing the resurrected Son of God teach on the kingdom of God. Whew. And who in here really knows and really believes that a cloud came and picked him up after that 40-day conference and took him up to heaven? Do y'all know that? And what did the angels say when they were looking up to heaven? They go, why are you looking up? And I always wanted to step in on this going, angels, we've never seen this before. Give us a break. I know you guys are used to clouds and people floating around. They go, why are you looking up? In the same way he went up, so he's coming down again. I mean, just let that thought get inside your psyche of a man coming down from heaven. That changes everything. And that he's the king you want. And the father, I love the father. It's the confident father saying, you nations aren't going to win. I've already given it all to my son. I've already set my king and he's coming. He is installed and he will be installed on Zion. The scene closes and verse 7 opens. And now Jesus is going to get three verses. Jesus has just heard. That he is the king and how is he going to rule? And it's like we step in on the back end of a conversation and David gets to overhear the father and the son talking. It doesn't get much better than that. And Jesus looks at the father and he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Look at this. Get your seatbelt on. Ask of me. And I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. It's like the, it's like the father looks at Jesus and says, you see those nations that are raging? You ask me for them and I'll make them your inheritance. I, it blows my mind that in the middle of the chaos, the rage, the insanity, the confusion, where do we find Jesus and where do we find the church? As the, the, the darkness gets darker, as intensity intensifies, as chaos, confusion, and rage seeks to grow, where do we find Jesus and where do we find the church? We find them in the prayer room. And we find the church taking the promises that the Father has declared over Jesus and over us and says, now speak back to me what I've spoken over you. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. I believe that there is coming a revelation of our sonship. I believe that there is coming a revelation of our identity as sons and daughters. That's going to fill the body of Christ. It's going to break us off of fringe Christianity. And it's going to bring us into the house. The place of intimacy. The place of acceptance. And the place of inheritance. As you grow in your identity as a son. You begin to understand your inheritance. And then the father says, ask of me. Everybody say, ask of me. It just doesn't make sense to the natural mind that Jesus is asking the father while everything's breaking out. Jesus is asking the father, saying, release my inheritance. Release my inheritance. Release my inheritance. The Lord burned that word on my spirit in 2014 and 15. Inheritance. And I believe this is an hour that we need to begin to ask God, God, what is our inheritance? 
What is our inheritance? What is Jesus' inheritance in Omaha? What is Jesus' inheritance in Omaha? Because He wants you to join Him in asking for the release of His inheritance. I want to call you in this hour to beginning to coming out of the, the fray and the confusion and find yourself in the place where Jesus is asking. We're in a Psalm 2 crisis. It demands a Joel 2 response. Joel 2, go ahead and turn there with me quickly. Joel 2, it's a, it's a little of the minor prophets right after Hosea. This prophet Joel shows up in chapter 1. He tells them all and he begins to give interpretation to a famine, to a locust plague that come through and destroyed the economic engine and he told them to turn back to God. In chapter 2, we see two trumpets, two alarms that begin to rattle the people. The first alarm was everybody wake up, something intense is coming. And the second alarm is gather together. Does anybody, there, speaking of, there it is. I was actually about to talk about alarms. Who was that? Who in here loves your alarm in the morning? Anybody get excited? Talk to me about the nature of alarms. It's rude. It doesn't care how good your sleep is. It doesn't care how little sleep you've gotten. It doesn't care how nice that posturepedic bed is. How nice, how nice that downy comforter is. It doesn't care how cold it is outside. It doesn't care how hard this season's been. It doesn't care what's been going on. Your, the alarm has one agenda, and that's to get your lazy behind out of bed. <laughs> Do you know God has alarms? <laughs> Joel was one of those alarms. Everybody wake up! Quit doing church and business as usual. Get out of the routine and the wake up your spirit. That's what last night was all about. Wake up! Something's coming unprecedented. Joel, what do we do? I love it. Joel 2.15, he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. And then he begins to say, Gather the people. Gather the people. I mean, Joel's intense. Joel's showing up in the middle of weddings and saying, no, get the nursing mothers, get the nursing moms out. Get everybody and let's gather together and let's cry out to God for mercy. Cry out to God for mercy. I want to say it to you as clear as I can. I believe that one of the clearest ways that we can respond to the day that we're living in is not stockpiling guns and rice and water, but is beginning to gather together for corporate prayer meetings. Hear what I'm saying to you right now. I believe that one of the most prophetic and best ways that we can respond to the climate that we're living in and that we wouldn't fall into some sleep now that maybe our president that we wanted came into office so we can get back into our lazy boy. This is the hour for the church to shake off, shake off the the yokes from around them and get delivered from a political hope and a messianic figure in the White House. And saying, I don't care who's in office. We need an inbreaking of Jesus in this nation. And if God wants to give us reprieves and give us moments and give us time, let us not fall into indifference, but let us fill the vacuum with intercession and begin to disciple and begin to lay hold of the next generation. 
These aren't seasons to push back. These are seasons to push in. And Joel says, this is what church looks like in these days. Shut down business as usual and have more prayer meetings. I got two claps. I don't need a lot. I'm not needing a lot. Because corporate prayer meetings infringe on you. I love my quiet time on my back porch. Nice big old glass windows watching the deer eat. Well, I got utmost for as high as a nice big cup of coffee. And my favorite CD on. I love that. I cry in. Oh, I love you. I can be in my boxers and just sit there. No, that's a sight. Nobody wants that. You know what I'm saying? You can just come ugly you and you just sit there with your cup of coffee half awake. You don't have to talk to anybody. I love personal times with Jesus. But I'm here to tell you the days that we're moving into, our personal prayer lives are not enough to carry us through the coming storm and glory that's hitting the church. We've got, we got three claps. It's, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. It's that we need corporate histories of prayer and fasting. Corporate histories of prayer and fasting. Corporate histories of prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. Because it begins to infringe upon you. It might get you up earlier than you want to get. It might dip into your Tuesday evenings. It might rearrange how you're, you're discipling your kids. It might force us to begin to say, as a family, we're going to take Tuesday evenings and we're going to set it apart to Jesus. Joel says, do prayer meetings. And I want to say to you at the outset of 2017, you will blink and it will be January 2018, I promise you. And you will have either made a step in this direction or the same steps you've been taking for the last 20 years. It's that simple. And God has given us the most glorious gift and it's called the gift of you choose. That's a glorious gift and that's a terrifying gift. Because we will eat the fruit of our choices. And I want to begin to go on a journey. I, I, I got to break through just knowing you at a distance and waving at you once a week. I want to begin to go on a journey with people. Joel says, and I want you to look at this. Look at Joel 2.28. He says, gather together, do prayer meetings. It blesses me that Glad Tidings has 6 a.m. Noons and 6.30s. On Wednesday evening, there's a 6.30 prayer meeting. Guys, this is, this is, guys, I travel all over the earth. 100,000 miles, 150,000 miles a year in airplanes. I see the body of Christ, many great things, but it's rare to see a church raising the flag of intercession like that. I want to tell you it's unprecedented. And it's easy to jump into. And I'm telling you, man, just find yourself in the room and watch what happens. Rearrange some things. Those sitcoms are old and boring anyway. Let's get ready. Get your seatbelt on. Psalm 2, crisis. Joel 2, response. It shall come to pass afterward. Everybody say afterward. Joel says, if you give yourself to this afterward, this is what I'll do. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, young men see visions. On my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Go ahead and turn to Acts 2. I mean, you could put it up there, Acts 2, because on the day of Pentecost, 
When Peter came stumbling out of that upper room, he said that. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You can look at Acts 2.17. Acts 2.17 is the verse when he quotes Joel. He says, Peter comes out and they go, what is this? Why are you guys drunk at nine in the morning? First off, it just blows me away that Jesus chose to birth his kingdom with a bunch of teenagers and 20-year-olds stumbling out of an upper room looking drunk at nine in the morning. That's how he chose to start this thing. (laughs) Who is Jesus? And Peter goes, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Guys, I want to say something to you. I'm making big statements tonight. I believe we're, we're at the precipice of a third great awakening in America. There have been two great awakenings in America's history. Usually connected to seasons of war. There are seasons of shaking when God comes down and visits a nation. When God begins to shake a nation, He begins to release a season of apostolic preaching. Of preaching that releases great conviction of sins. Because God is preparing a nation for hours of shaking. And we'll see a great harvest released. It's not just so that we can fall down more and church goes from boring to not so boring. But that when God begins to break out of the church and He raises up and releases apostolic messengers and prophets that begin to declare the Word of God and we start seeing the lost coming in by the hundreds of thousands and they start streaming in and the same old message now slays a thousand to the heart and they go, what must we do to be saved? Those days where God overtakes whole regions with the manifest presence of God. Like it was in upstate New York in the 1820s and 30s with Charles Finney. Where they said 500,000 in eight weeks came to Jesus. Can you imagine what Omaha would look like if 500,000 new converts came into the kingdom in two months? Is the church ready for such a harvest? That's what happens when awakening comes and I believe we are steadily moving in. That's what Acts 2 means to me. What shall we do to be saved? 3,000 in one message. I, I believe this is what I'm living my life for. I, got, I shared my testimony last night. I got born again in a move of God. And when you begin to touch presence, you can't live for anything else. God, I want presence God, I want presence. I want simple phrases that cut down the hardest of hearts. I got gripped with that 20 years ago and it hasn't left me. And it blows me away that Peter, the one who stood up among the 11 and gave the first message of the kingdom, 50 days earlier was by a campfire. And a little girl was saying, Hey, I know you. You're one of those disciples. He goes, no, it wasn't. It wasn't me. You got the wrong guy. It blows me away that God takes cowards and He anoints them and turns them into mighty apostles that release the Word of God. Don't you love God's editing strategy in our lives? How He can take our worst failures, our worst struggles, our worst pitfalls, 
and that he encounters us and he transforms us. And what we thought would disqualify us actually becomes the doorway into a new season. But we could be used by God to shepherd his people. Because that's really what I was struggling with tonight was the two flows in my heart. Psalm 2, Joel 2, Acts 2. But also too is the shepherding thing that was on me all of 2016. Look with me in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15. Many of you, we know we had about 30 of you come to the One Thing Conference as I preached a message on God raising up shepherds. God raising up shepherds. Most of us only think of the shepherds as the pastoral type who are good listeners and they give good hugs. But I believe that God is going to characterize all last day's ministry. Whether that be in public squares or that be in family settings or in the business world. Or that be in uh, small ministries, large ministries, whatever ministries. That God is going to mark His people with His heart as a shepherd. And that they're going to be people who are invested into the body. Look at Jeremiah 3.15. Look at this great verse. I love this. Jeremiah prophesies. Because I, this is what I began to tie together tonight. If Peter came up and gave that Acts 2 message, how did God prepare him? Look at Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you shepherds. I love this. According to my heart. And these shepherds, look at what they'll do. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Shepherds, God says, I have a gift for the end time church. I have a gift for the end time outpouring. I have a gift for the body of Christ. And the gift is shepherds. Not just prophets, not just laborers, not just messengers, but shepherds. And these shepherds have been fashioned and formed according to my heart. They are the very representation of my heart as the Psalm 23 shepherd. That's where I lived in 2016, Psalm 23. You need to knock the dust off of what you think you know about that. They've been fashioned according to my heart. They have gone into the furnace of my heart. They encountered a Psalm 22 season of God, where are you? That brings them into the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He says, I'm going to give you shepherds according to my heart. And these shepherds will feed you. Everybody say feed you. Oh, it's time for the body of Christ. We're going to see ones that come forth and begin to release revelation of the knowledge of God. They are going to feed the earth on who Jesus really is. On what Jesus is really like. On who God is as father. Not the God of religion, not the angry God, the harsh God, the, the God who's constantly looking to highlight weaknesses, but the good God, the glad God, the God of tenderness and compassion. Jesus, who He really is, they're going to feed a generation on God. Stick with me here. Are you with me? Are you with me? Can I go here for a second? Well, then br- pull on it. <laughs> Just playing. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, is what Isaiah 33 says. I believe that we're moving into days of great darkness and great light growing together. 
It's going to be the church's greatest hour and the church's most intense hour. The Bible is very clear that wheat and tares will grow up together. And I believe that this is going to be the greatest context for the church to come forth white, without blame, spotless, and a bride prepared for her husband. You know, to get, I mean, I've been, I hate ironing, though I'll do it sometimes. But what is it that gets wrinkles out? It's the intensity of the iron. And God, in Ephesians 5, He says, I will bring forth a bride without spot or wrinkle. For God to get wrinkles out of His church, it's going to take some pressure. It's going to take some heat. It's going to take some intensity as God begins to iron out issues and bring the body together. That He would present to Himself a bride without spot or without wrinkle. Holiness. Loving the holiness of God. And in has been forged in the fire of His heart. And I believe that it's going to be the glory and the shaking that's going to bring forth the church. Saying, Jesus, I love your leadership. Jesus, I love your leadership. It will be the ones who go through the valley of the shadow of death that will find the revelation, He's with me there. And because He went down and came up, so He who went before me will go down and He will pull me up on the other side. And He's with me every step of the way. And these shepherds, and I believe this is what I've been experiencing the last three years. Our family has been going through intensity. The last three to four years have been the hardest years of our life of intensity. We lost our son in 2013. It's been a shaking season. Foundations get shaken to the core. When Jesus in Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, where are you? He wasn't playing. There are those times of God. Why have you for Where are you? As foundations and we find ourselves in those seasons reaching to people or things or ministries or anything we can to bring any stability. And God doesn't allow it. He lets you hang in that place. And He brings us into a place of, of revelation of Him as our shepherd in whom we have no wants or needs. Because all of our desires are found and met in Him. There are these seasons that are intense. And I believe that God is taking His shepherds through the fire today that are going to come forth and to begin to feed the body of Christ in the coming days as we see corporate moves. What I'm saying to you is this. If it's been difficult these last years and it hasn't made sense to you, get ready because what you think you aren't about to make it through, He's going to pull you through and He's going to use your testimony to feed the body of Christ. What you thought, and I feel like he's going to take your... And I, I've just been thinking about this phrase. We eat of Jesus, the broken body of Jesus. How does Jesus feed his people? Through brokenness. It's the brokenness of his leaders. That's what feeds people. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Understanding of God, of his ways, of his leadership. Matthew 24 says that many will be offended in that day. Do you understand how much latent offense is in the heart of many in the body of Christ? The God, how could you? God, how could you allow this? God, what are you doing? This isn't fair. There is, 
And a lot of times we never see that until people's lives get shaken a little bit. And then that rage will come out of the human heart like, "Uh uh-uh, if this is you, I don't want you. There is so much offense at God and His leadership. And I believe that God wants to raise up shepherds that would pull out the arrows of offense and begin to feed the body of Christ on, He's a good God. He's a good Father. He's a good shepherd. He's a good leader. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? It didn't make sense for Jesus when He was hanging on a cross. But that wasn't the end of Jesus' story. And this isn't the end of your story. We need shepherds that would feed people, not on nice little candies things about God, but people that have wrestled with God in the secret place. Am I talking to somebody tonight? Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fire. Because that's called being fashioned according to His heart. Which means you've been in a furnace. And He's knitting you in His heart. He's joining you with His heart. Saying you're going to move in tenderness and compassion. You're going to fight for people instead of run when it gets hard. You know how Jesus separates Himself as the good shepherd and hirelings in John chapter 10? He says, hirelings run when the wolf comes. Hirelings, when it gets hard, they bail. The shepherds I'm raising up, they understand that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And they don't run from them, they run into the fray. They run right into the middle of that marriage that's about to fall apart. They run right in the middle of that family that's about to lose a kid due to heroin overdose or heroin drug addiction. They're about to run in the middle of that kid's life who's addicted to pornography saying, I'm not going to let you die. That's what it looks like. Hirelings run because it's all about the money and what they get from it. He's raising up shepherds according to his heart. Feeds you with knowledge and understanding. And I love Peter. I love Peter because it was through the doorway of failure that God brought this young man into the revelation that he could stand up on the day of Pentecost and release the fire. He could release the fire because he had came through the heart of God. He had to go through his valley of the shadow of death. You know the story of Peter, the man that was immediately called out. He left his father in the business of fishing, brought immediately into the inner circle. James, John, and Peter among the twelve, but those were the core three that were brought into such intimacy with God in the flesh. My goodness. They shared His life. They watched His days. They watched His nights. They shared life with Him. They saw unspeakable miracles. Heard unspeakable messages. Listened to words dropping off of God's mouth. What a good time to be alive. And to run with this dude. Peter got to see the Mount of Transfiguration. Huh? How about that one? When Clark Kent takes off his Clark Kent outfit. And he says, guys, I want you to know I'm really. (laughs) He just gave him a sneak peek of his glory. But that wasn't even the. The pinnacle of all that. Then Moses and Elijah show up. Peter saw Moses and Elijah show up. And them start talking. You got that one on your resume? (laughs) Peter moved in signs and wonders. Cast out devils. Healed the sick. 
preached messages. He's the one that got the Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? Peter got it. The father took Peter and spoke right through him. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You didn't get this at a who do you say that I am conference. But my father has revealed this to you. But see, Peter's problem was, I'm a shepherd, I'm a messenger, I'm a laborer. God's going to use me mightily. i got a great destiny ahead of me. And here is how it goes into my destiny. Most of us have a view of us moving into our destiny, and this is what it looks like. This is the trajectory of how we perceive us moving into our calling. And it just goes into the clouds. You gotta understand that because that stronghold is what causes offense to happen when he takes us on a different trajectory. Because if he's really got his eye on you and you're one of his favorites, this is what your trajectory looks like. What do you do with that? I mean, his favorite of favorites. That was his trajectory. Peter couldn't get that through his skull. You're a Messiah. You're the one that's going to destroy Rome. It's time to establish Israel. You're the one that's going to sit on David's throne. It's time. And we're in your core cabinet. Jesus waits until they get it. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He goes, now that you understand who I am, now I've got to talk to you about the trajectory. It says, from that time, he began to show them how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and be raised again. Well, Peter's feeling good. He just got, you're the Christ, Son of the living God. He goes, well, man, one for one ain't bad. I'm flying in revelation here. Father's speaking through me. He brings Jesus over to the side. And the Bible says he begins to rebuke him. Warfare. He begins to rebuke Jesus. And this is what he said. Far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. Peter had a wrong paradigm saying there is no death and there's no suffering and there's no setbacks and difficulty in your journey into your calling. And many Americans think this way. Jesus says, Father just spoke to you, but guess who's speaking to you now? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter had this wrong paradigm. It still wouldn't go. Peter like, I mean, he was a hard head. He didn't get it. Whatever. Whatever. Fast forward the night before Jesus, the night Jesus' betrayal, and he's sitting around the table with them in John 13, and he tells them all, guys... I've got to go somewhere you can't go. Well, Peter, just ask him straight up, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you're going to follow me afterward. Well, Peter is now remembering Matthew 16, taking up your cross and dying, death, laying down your life, going all the way in. He goes, Lord, why can't I follow you now? And then he says, I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus looks at him and he goes, Peter, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. 
But you're not as committed to me as you think you are. He goes, by this time tomorrow when the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. But don't let your heart be troubled by this. (laughs) It's like Jesus looks at him and goes, Peter, you're about to fail me more miserably than anybody in history on the most important night of human history. So let all your failures come underneath what he's about to tell Peter, okay? He goes, you're going to fail me miserably, more miserably than anybody in history on the most important night of history. He says, don't let your heart be troubled by this. (laughs) Jesus, my heart's troubled. Peter still didn't get it. He goes, yeah, whatever. I'm in. Well, they go from there and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane. They keep falling asleep. Jesus comes back the third time. Wake up! And about that time, who's coming in but Judas with the Roman detachment? The Roman soldiers come. Judas kisses Jesus. The Roman soldiers come to grab him. And Peter goes, here's the moment. Mount up. It's time. I'm going to prove this thing once and for all. I'm in to death. I'm all in. Pulls his sword out saying it's time to fight. And he swings. And all he gets is a Roman soldier's ear named Malchus. And he cuts his ear off. And he says, okay, Jesus, you ready? Let's go. And he's thinking Jesus is going to throw it off. They're going to throw him down. And we're going to storm up into Jerusalem and take this thing over. Jesus picks the ear up. Puts it back on the guy's ear. Heals him. And then he looks at Peter. He says, put your sword away, Peter. Shall I not drink the Father's cup that he's given me? Now Peter's reeling. The crack, the first crack in the dam has taken place. And it's this crack. He's really serious. And now they take Jesus off. Come on, run with me here. I want you to connect this because we have so many. I had so many ideas of what I thought it meant for these end time prophets and laborers and messengers and shepherds that he's raising up. And I want to make sense of what I'm seeing God do in preparing his people in this hour. Because these last three to five years have been difficult seasons, I believe, for many. And what we've interpreted is one thing. God is saying, I'm thinking about what you're going to look like in 2020. And I'm getting you ready for something. Because you've got to be able to save something, not out of a nice little Bible class you took, but something forged in the fire of real life. And you don't get that at a McDonald's drive throughs Peter's reeling. Jesus has taken off. Peter, I literally believe at that moment, he didn't know Jesus anymore. I thought I knew him. I don't know him. Walking like a drunk guy following Jesus. What in the world's happened? What in the world's happened? What in the world's happened? He, he, he stumbles into the high, high priest's courtyard. First girl asks him, hey, do you know him? I don't know him. Later on that night, he's by a campfire warming himself. Do you know him? I don't know him. And then the third time, it was actually a relative of Malchus. The Roman soldier's cousin asked him. I don't know why John included that. It's just divine poetry. Do you know him? He goes, I don't know him. And he hears the rooster crow three times. He takes off. What were those three days like for Peter? What were those three days like for Peter? I believe it was only because Jesus prayed for him that he didn't hang himself like Judas. I believe with all my heart, Because in in Luke 22, he says, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you 
And after you've returned, strengthen your brethren. He goes, I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. And after you've returned, strengthen your brethren. Jesus has been praying for many of you in this room that your faith wouldn't fail. And it's His prayers that keeps getting you up every morning and keeps reaching for Him when everything else says something different. It's His prayer that's upholding you. It's His prayer that's carrying you. Because He says, you're going to return and you're going to strengthen the body of Christ in ways you can never imagine. Peter goes through those three days. We know that there are two encounters where Jesus shows up inside and Jesus encounters them in His resurrected body. He says, put your hands in here. Put your hands in there. Give me food. I'm going to show you I'm not a ghost. I'm a real man. But then about ten days later, Peter tells the other disciples, guys, I'm going fishing. I can't handle the awkwardness anymore. I'm going fishing. He fishes all night. They catch nothing. And now we're about to see a rerun. Of the first time Peter met Jesus. They fished all night. Couldn't catch anything. And then they hear a voice. Early in that morning. It's Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. But he cries out from the shoreline. Children. Have you any food? They look back and they go no. He says throw the net on the other side. They throw the net on the other side. Immediately 153 fish. And begin to topple down the boat. And right when that happened, John looks at Peter and he says, it's the Lord. Peter throws on his coat, jumps into the river and begin, or the, or the sea and begins to swim towards Jesus. They get to the shoreline. They drag in the boat and the fish. And what do you see right there? Jesus is cooking breakfast. He's cooking breakfast. He has coals of fire. He has fish laid on it. He has bread prepared. I didn't have time to go into this tonight, but I believe he's doing a Psalm 23. After he takes you through the valley of the shadow of death, he will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And he will anoint your head with oil. I want you to understand that there's a day of divine commissioning. And there's a day of visitation. And there's a day to where God in the presence of your enemies. Which means this, God's into public vindication. Some of you didn't expose that brother that cheated you out of all that money. And you walked the godly way. And God says, it's okay, I'm going to turn this whole thing around. Some of you didn't get back at someone who did you wrong. And God said, there's coming a public vindication of the choices you made in secret. He pulls it up. They eat breakfast. I just love the humility of the resurrected Son of God cooking breakfast for these boys. He cooks them breakfast. He waits till breakfast is over. And the great claim of Peter's life is, I love you more than everybody else. I love you with God love, agape love. And Jesus is now going to bring that subject up because he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape? Do you love me more than these? He goes, you were claiming a few days ago that you loved me with God love. Do you love me with more than these? And Peter looks back at him and he answers a different word for love. He says, Lord, I don't agape you. I phileo you, which means I love you like a brother. I love you like a friend, which means I don't love you with the intensity that or the maturity that I thought I loved you. But I do love you and my love is real. Do you know why Jesus asked Peter? Because Peter needed to hear Peter declare openly his real love for Jesus. Are you with me tonight? 
And I love it because Peter goes, I don't love you like I thought I loved you, but I do love you. And it's real. It's weak, but it's real. I want everyone in here to know that weak love is real love. And that immature love, it may not be where you want it to be, but weak love is real love. That devil would lie to you and disqualify you, say you're all hopeless hypocrites. The devil is a liar. You are not defined by your recent struggle. You are defined by the cry of your spirit to be holy gods. Do you love me? Jesus waits a little later. Do you understand something? Come on. Do you understand something? The last time Peter was by a fire, he was denying Jesus. The next time he's by a fire, he's getting restored to Jesus. The last time he was by a fire, he was denying. And for each denial, Jesus is going to pull out the arrows of denial and release healing and commissioning to each denial. He's going to commission him in the very painful place. He waits later on and he says, he asks him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me more than them? Do you agape me? Peter answers the same, Lord. I phileo you. I don't love you like I thought I love you, but I love you. And Jesus, in the first time he told them, he goes, you know what? Though you don't love me like you thought you loved me, it's real. He goes, I want you to tend my lambs. He goes, I want you to feed my lambs. The second time he goes, I want you to tend my sheep. And then he asked him a third time. He goes, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? But the third time was, do you phileo me? Peter goes, yes, Lord, I phileo you. He goes, good, you feed my sheep. You know what I love about Jesus? He goes, your weak love is good enough for me. And I will commission you in it. And I will use you in your weak yet real love to feed the body of Christ. I'm not making anything up. This is what he did with a real man. Do you love me? He goes, yes. He goes, when you were younger, you walked where you wish. But when you're older... You'll be carried. He's signifying the death by which he would glorify God. And then he looked back at Peter and he said, follow me. Jesus told him in John 13, you can't follow me now, but you're going to follow me afterward. Well, I love Peter because apparently they're now starting to walk. And he looks behind him and he sees John following. He goes, well, Jesus, what about John? I just love Peter. Peter, you just got restored, man. Just enjoy the afterglow of your own story. Isn't that just like us? We've gotten blown up at an altar and then one eye opens to see how he's getting touched or she's getting touched. Or our husband or our wife's getting touched. You getting them, God? <laughs> I know they need it more than I do. Dana does that all the, me, all the time to me. Just play it. Just like Peter, just like us, to be worrying about somebody else's journey. Comparing our journey with somebody else's journey. And Jesus, I love Jesus, he gets on him. He said, don't worry about his journey. What's it to you if I wait till I return? He, which means this, he goes, don't concern yourself with another person's journey. He goes, you just follow me. Some of your journeys may look different. Some of your storylines may look different. 
Don't get caught into what God must favor or love me more or love me less because their story looks different than mine. He is the great shepherd of the sheep and he is bringing forth his people in thousands of different ways. You may be weak in this season while they're strong so they can strengthen you, but the thing will shift around and you'll be strong for them in another season. And who would have known that that Peter who got restored by that campfire would stumble out of that upper room 50 days later and he would be given the glorious calling of preaching the first message of the kingdom. In the very streets, he denied Jesus. He preached the first message and 3,000 were, were saved in one moment. I believe there is a strong prophetic spirit upon this house. I believe that this is to be a nurturing place for these shepherds. A place where these shepherds are cultivated and matured. Ones that come through that God wants to release understanding and to feed this region on Him. I just want to ask tonight that God would release His fire. And that in the same way He visited Peter with His fire, there's several things He wants to do. First off, some of us need to sit around the campfire and hear Jesus. Some of us need to hear ourselves say, My love is real. It's not as strong as I thought it was, and I encountered that I'm not as committed as I thought I was, but I do love you, Jesus. Some of us need to hear that. Others of us need to understand that there's fire coming. Are you with me? Let's stand. I feel like we're in an hour... I, I, when I'm carrying two messages like this, there are two movements in my heart. One of them is... Fire, awakening, and this. But the other one is understanding the process of the Lord and His leadership in our lives. Because if you don't understand what He's doing, you'll bail before He's actually produced what He wants to produce in you. Shepherds, according to my heart. And just, just play it, uh, my end. Just, let's just wait on him. I just want to ask, who in here for these last few years, that makes sense to you of that journey, and you've hit that wall. And what I'm speaking about tonight is hitting right where you're at in this season. Raise your hand. Holy Spirit, right now, Hallelujah. Father, we just ask you right now that you would release your word and your power. God, I ask you that you would encounter these ones like you did Peter around that fire. And that they would begin to come out of shame. That they would come out of hiding. In some ways, when Peter says, I'm going fishing, it was more than him just saying, I want to go fishing. It was him saying, I guess I'm going to have to go to plan B for my life. Because plan A fell through. Some of you thought that what you just went through, plan A is over. And the Lord says, I want you to understand, you may try to run and come up with a plan B. But I'm going to come after you. And we're going to turn plan A around and manifest it in a different way.
Just wait on the Lord for a second. Here we are, Lord. Speak right to our hearts right now, God. us Holy Spirit right now speak right to the core of our being keep playing that Maya that's perfect Lord I ask you to put your hands on our hearts tonight shepherds according to my heart I ask you to place your hand upon our hearts tonight God pull out arrows tonight This is who I am. I'm called to be one of these shepherds. Lord's mark my life. I want to be able to feed people on the knowledge of God and understanding of His ways. As we enter into these Psalm 2 days of great, of a generation wanting to throw off God's Word and His leadership. I want to be those shepherds that call people to the place of prayer and live a life of prayer. I want to be those ones that release revival spirit and that would feed people on the knowledge of Him and His his leadership and His ways. If you'd like prayer tonight, I want to invite you up here. We want to pray for you. Just come on up right now. We're going to pray for you, lay hands on you, and ask for the Lord to release His fire upon you. Father, we just ask you right now, just stand up at the altar and open your hands. Ah, Push all the way in. All right, let's just, yeah. Maya, just take us into anything you want to right now. Lord, release your fire. I just declare right now we need a generation that is loyal to the Word of God. People who are giving their lives to the Word of God, who love the Word of God. I just pray that you would release a revival in the Bible in 2017. Anoint your shepherds, God, right now. Fire, mark your 
shepherds, God. Lord, fire. moments right here. Let's just, here we are, Lord. Just wait on him. Open up your hands. Here we are, Lord Jesus. We love you. We love you, Jesus. God, I just pray that you would release a prophetic explosion in this church. A prophetic explosion. I declare Acts chapter 2. The last day says, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I declare over every family in this church and in this room and in this city, God, that our sons and daughters would begin to wake up with dreams in the night, visions in the night visitations with Jesus oh, that there would be an insatiable hunger for the word of God ha ah, 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 ha ah, ha ah, ha ah. ha yeah yeah dreams are coming and Sons and daughters prophesy. And let it rain. There's an army is rising I just released that right now. I'm feeling it strong. Dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. Just open up your hands. I just want to pray that beginning tonight into 2017 there'd be a marked increase in prophetic dreams night visions that would awaken a hunger in the word of God that God would begin to take us on journeys Father I pray you said in Acts 2 dreams and visions God I pray for this people increase dreams and visions Increase dreams and visions, prophetic activity. I declare tonight, God, an increase in dreams and visions. We thank you, God. We bless you. And that Isaiah 44, he says, I will pour out my spirit like water on the dry ground. He says, your, your descendants shall spring up like willows among the water courses. He's going to pour out his spirit and your sons and daughters will begin to spring up. We ask you, God, what you did with Samuel at such a young age in the house of God. A generation that would hear your voice at an early age. We ask you to awaken a young generation's ears to hear you. 
We just bless you tonight. We thank you. You're so good. You're so faithful. We thank you for what you're doing in Glad Tidings, what you're doing in Omaha. We thank you for what you're doing in the Midwest. We thank you for what you're doing in the earth, God. We just bless your name. I declare, God, a third great awakening coming to America. Declare a third great awakening is coming to America. Third great awakening is coming to America. Mighty revival, signs and wonders coming to America. Stadium Christianity is coming to America. Stadium Christianity is coming to America. Stadiums filled day and night. Hundreds of thousands of new converts. We thank you, God. We bless your name. And we thank you for it. Let's just give the Lord a hand and thank him. Come on, Jesus, we love you. Yes and amen to everything that you have declared, God. It shall come to pass, says God. Says God. Says God. Says God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for being here tonight. I feel like the Lord's saying, say yes to me. Those dreams and visions, he's just looking for a full agreement. Say yes to it. Yes, I'm in agreement with that. I want to grab a hold of that. Because I I feel like he's just saying, it's right there and it's available. It's available. It's just got to come from that yes in your spirit. God, I thank you. Our vision for to this weekend was to raise the watermark and it's raising the water's rising in the house the water levels rising in Omaha it's we're no longer ankle deep or knee deep or thigh deep we're out into the deep he wants to take us out into the deep the watermark there's a new watermark that's being set this weekend was about setting a new watermark we thank you God We thank you, Lord. God, I thank you. Can we just be in agreement and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, Amen. 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 Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., 9.30 and 11.15. You're not full yet. You're not full yet. I'm just going to tell you, you're not full yet. Come back for some more. Come back for some more. Be safe tonight. Bless you guys. Amen.